Welcome back to the fundmonitors.com Meet the Manager series. The Collins Street Value Fund is an index unaware fund that seeks to create strong investment returns over the medium to long term with a focus on capital preservation. The fund was started in early 2016 and seeks to align the interests of their investors and the firm by having no fixed management fee and only a performance fee. Since inception, the fund has performed strongly, returning 17.29% per annum. However, the volatility of the past two years has provided Collins Street with strong opportunities and the fund has outperformed the ASX 200 total return index by 8.99% per annum since January 2019. In keeping with their ideal of preserving capital, the fund also has a relatively low down capture for a long-only portfolio. I'm joined today by Rob Hay, Head of Distribution and Investor Relations at Collins Street Asset Management. Rob, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me along. Rob, the fund finished out 2020 with some very strong performance, outperforming the index by over 30%. Um, can you tell, tell us a bit about how the fund was positioned through the year and what drove the strong outperformance? Coming into 2020, the fund had built up a very high allocation to cash in the fund. We have an unconstrained mandate, which allows us to focus only on the best ideas and the best investment opportunities at any one point in time. And based on some ongoing concerns about the Australian consumer, and the level of debt that the average Aussie had on their balance sheets, we'd built the portfolio up to have around 35% in cash towards the end of February, early March. We'd also built up a position across a basket of ASX-listed gold stocks, which we had largely as a hedge against volatility in the global and domestic economy. We played that with the small to mid-cap space with a number of stocks such as Kalamazoo, Black Cap Syndicate, Orobanda Mining and the like, and we were also able to use our flexible mandate to allow us to negotiate a convertible note with Nova Minerals, which was also quite promising. So whilst there was a lot of volatility throughout 2020, we were able to somewhat insure against that with our gold position, but also use our 35% cash holding to really pick the eyes out of the opportunities that the market threw up throughout the months of April and May. Rob, I highlighted in my opening that the fund had done very well, especially during the volatility of the past two years. Um, one of the things I noted was that the process looks to protect capital. As a fund, how do you, um, how does the process manage um, and try to protect capital for investors? Capital preservation is absolutely in our DNA, and we manage this in a number of ways. Firstly, Damon, we don't try and be all things to all people. Our fund is very concentrated will typically hold no more than eight to 20 positions in the portfolio at any one point in time. And that doesn't have to be with reference to any index or sector weightings as such. As it currently stands, our portfolio has near on 20% in ASX-listed uranium stocks. We've got a fair allocation to ASX-listed infrastructure stocks, as well as a selection of pharmaceuticals in the portfolio as well. So we only have to have the best ideas and we don't seek to dilute our research effort by looking into opportunities that simply don't have merit to us based on valuation, business model and the like. The second key thing, Damon, that I'd call out is that our remuneration structure is quite unique in the marketplace. And when I say unique, Damon, we don't make money as investment managers unless our investors do first. So quite simply, if our portfolio underperforms and produces a negative result in absolute terms, we don't receive any management fees at all. We actually have to get back up above the high watermark of the fund, which is the highest point that the unit price has reached, 
taking into account for distributions. Importantly to note as well, that high watermark never resets. The second thing we have to do is make sure that we're outperforming the risk-free rate, which is largely a proxy in Australia for uh, what you should expect on your money without taking on any risks. So for us, if we do invest in things that we're unsure of, or if we invest in something half-heartedly, and that does go down, then we don't get paid and we've got to make good that money before we get back into a position to receive a success-based remuneration. Um, how are the team positioning the fund for 2021? Um, we've seen a very interesting time in the, at the end of 2020 with uh, the US election. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, are saying things are going to be very interesting. Uh, how are you guys looking at 2021 and how are you putting the portfolio together? The ASX very much as a market of stocks rather than a stock market. And whilst we see the ASX broadly rising throughout 2021, we do see, see a great divergence between those businesses which have got known assets, strong and growing cash flows, and those which, Damon, quite frankly, are more hopes and dreams. We've built our portfolio around a number of core thematics, uranium being one of those. We have nearly 20% of the portfolio in ASX-listed uranium stocks at the moment, and they were a large driver of returns towards the back end of 2020 but also represent an area of the ASX where we see opportunity for throughout 2021. Particularly as US utilities come back to the market to recontract supply and the US administration continues its agenda of promoting supply from known and trusted sources with a focus on those uh, particularly operating out of the US. So Peninsula Energy is one example of that. Infrastructure is a thematic that we also like, but one which we're quite selective around. Thinking about 2021 and the financial carnage that COVID has caused, we have to look at how the Australian economy is likely to recover and grow from here. Now, we can't tax our way out of the problem. Certainly, hoping for changes to industrial relations or taxation reform would be a long bow to draw. We could quite easily, Damon, find ourselves talking about those very same topics in 10 years' time, having got nowhere in the interim. But with low interest rates, with a lot of people looking for work, with an economy which is seeing resources growing uh, and which has to manage population growth over the years ahead. Now is a prime opportunity for infrastructure to find its way into the portfolio. However, as I say, we do have to be selective around that. So we've gone and identified some very pure exposures to discrete sectors of infrastructure that we like. Firstly, we found a metallurgical coal company, Coronado Global Resources, which was quite attractively priced, which we entered into in September last year. Metallurgical coal, Damon, is not to be confused with thermal coal. Metallurgical coal is used alongside iron ore as the primary inputs into steel. So if we think about the rate of infrastructure spend and across the globe, how different projects will be built out over time, that will be absolutely key. We've also built a position in a company called Deckmill Group. Deckmill have a range of infrastructure expertise across discrete sectors. They have state governments, the federal government, and a range of blue chip mining companies as their clients. And so thinking about the life cycle of an infrastructure project, before shovels hit the ground, you really need that project management experience and discrete intellectual property to make those projects come to life in the most efficient way. And so Deck Mill are typically the first ones you pick up the phone to to get something off the ground. So there are a couple of examples that we've had a look at. 
Alongside that, there are some pharmaceutical companies we continue to retain a high conviction in, which are very close towards finalising clinical trials. Paradigm Biopharmaceuticals being a good example of that. And also, oddly enough, we've found some retail companies which we do like. One particular one, which we classify as retail, is called National Tire and Wheel. This is a company, Damon, we got into at the start of 2020 at a, in the sub 30 cent category, and which is now trading a little bit above 90 cents a share. It's a great company backed by strong management that have been in the business for a very, very long time. And as people are looking to spend more money on their existing cars rather than to upgrade their cars and the like, they've certainly rode a tailwind throughout, the co throughout COVID and actually sought to grow their business via acquisition, which is also quite exciting for the company. Rob, I think, uh, you know, certainly the themes that you've just explained uh, will ring quite true uh, with a lot of Australian investors, um, particularly the infrastructure. Um, uh, similarly, uh, your, uh, the way the fund is structured, uh, not having um, a management fee probably is quite enticing. Uh, thanks for your time today. Much appreciated uh, and uh, good luck in 2021. Thanks a lot, Damon. All the best.